Take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 13. Okay, John chapter 13. Welcome over in the, the venue. Sure appreciate all of you that serve over there so faithfully. And those of you that are watching online, I'm grateful that you are with us. Pretty exciting to have all those teenagers up on stage who um, are going to give up a week of their life to go do something pretty crazy. The world would call them foolish. I mean, after all, they could be home playing Fortnite. And not only that, they pay to do it. They actually have to raise money and pay to go on a trip like that. That's a beautiful sight to see our young people serving the Lord like, like that. For those of you that are visiting, we're in a series here uh, where we're going through the Gospel of John together as a church family. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, we'll give you one. All you got to do is go into the altar room when we're done, and we'll give you a free Bible, okay? If you're over in the venue, we'll give you a free Bible. Just go into the altar room over there. But today, if you don't have a Bible, all the verses will come up on the jumbotrons. I think they might be in your notes. Look at verse 1. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. In 24 hours, Jesus will be on a cross dead. This is Thursday. He had loved them to the end. 24 hours, he'll be on a cross. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. And Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you don't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then, then, then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not, not just my feet. And Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over doesn't need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you, for Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and he sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing. You call me teacher, you call me Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. 
Do as I have done. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than one who sends the message. And then last verse I'll read is verse 17. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Well, there, there's so much here that I, that I could talk on this passage for a long, long, long time. You could do a whole series just on this passage. It's crazy how much is loaded into this little vignette of the life of Jesus and his disciples. But I'm gonna zero in on one thing, okay, just one thing, and that's serving. There's not another place in all the Bible where we have such a clear picture as to what it means to be a servant. If you are a follower of Christ, what we just read is without a doubt the most powerful little section of scripture as it relates to being a servant. Now what I wanna do is just make five simple observations about this moment in history the day that the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords knelt before a bunch of guys' dirty, rotten feet and cleaned them. They're, they're, um, they're all pretty basic, which means they're easy to apply. In other words, it, it, it'll be hard to blow these off. And the first one is that serving is simply a way that you as a follower of Christ express the unconditional love of God. It's, it's, it's one of the ways that we express this unconditional love of God. Look at verse one again. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come. He knew he was gonna be dead. We celebrate that called Good Friday. He knew he was gonna be dead in 24 hours. His time had come to leave this world and return to his father. He loved his disciples during his ministry on earth. He loved them, no doubt about that. And now he's going to continue to love them up until the very end. He's gonna to continue to love them. Beloved, what Jesus is about to do, wash feet, is a, a picture or an example of how we as followers of Christ are to treat each other. You see, when you serve the way Jesus served, it says something about the God you claim to know. And when you make the choice not to serve the way Jesus served, that also communicates something to those around you about the God you claim to know. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. I want you to buckle your seatbelts because this is, this is some weighty stuff, right? Who was seated around the, the table? Well, we know John was there. In fact, we know John was sitting right next to Jesus because the Bible tells us John had laid his head right on Jesus' chest. So John was there, the disciple whom Jesus loved. He was there. Peter was there, the rock. Man, the great Peter, he's sitting there. Matthew wrote that incredible gospel. 
He's sitting there. James, he's there. In other words, the guys, the team, the disciples, the ones who would go on and literally change the world. We're all sitting here today or over in the venue or watching online because of the guys that were gathered around that table that night. They're all there. But there's also another guy seated at the table that night. Judas, the betrayer. He's there. I think we all would have understood if Jesus would have simply passed him up while he was making his way around the table, right? I mean, Judas is a jerk. He, he, he's a betrayer. He, he's a loser. He's, he's not one of them. He's the enemy. He didn't vote the way everybody else voted. Yet Jesus kneels at his feet and serves him. Jesus humbles himself before the betrayer and washed his crummy, dirty, rotten, stinking feet. His feet didn't look like Gordon's. They don't have, they have shoes like we have. Hmm. I mean, he didn't get to Judas and say, hey buddy, I'm not washing your feet. I'm not going to serve you. You're evil. You're wicked. You're not a believer. I only serve Christians. You know, I only serve nice people. I only serve people who believe in the exact same things that I believe in. I'll be frank with him. I'm reading this the past couple of weeks, getting ready for this. I wish he had said that. I tell you what, this was super convicting for me. You see, it's easy to serve those you like. It's easy to serve those in your family. It's easy to serve those who think like you and vote like you and believe the same things you do. That's easy, isn't it? But God calls us to serve even those that we don't like, people that might have even betrayed us. Let me ask you a question. What, um, what do you think ran through Judas's mind? He's already sold him out. He's already got his 30 shekels of silver. And here's Jesus kneeling at his feet, cleaning them. What do you think ran through Judas's mind? Isn't that a great question? Let me ask you another question. What do you think runs through the minds of those you serve who are different than you? Who believe different things than you do? Who maybe even make fun of your beliefs? Do, do you think it, that it makes a, a difference when you humble yourself and serve them, e e even though you disagree on certain things with them?
You, you, you think it matters when there's somebody who uh, they have a different political view than you have, or maybe they have a different religious view than you have. Maybe they have no religious view whatsoever. And here you are, a follower of Christ, and you're serving them. What do you, you think it makes a difference in their mind? I think it's one of the reasons why Judas ends up hanging himself. He's watching this man serve him. Man, this is just a weighty thing. Is there someone's feet you're not willing to wash? Is there someone you're not willing to serve? Let me tell you why I asked that question. I, I'm sure all of you, well, no, I'll serve anybody. Here, here, here's why I asked that. Uh, because there were a number of people that God brought to my mind that I'm not willing to serve. It was very convicting. I got my list of people. They hurt me, they made me mad, they jacked me up, they lied about me, whatever it might be, you know, and I ain't serving them, you know. And here I am confronted with this vignette. And it was a brutal week in my life. These just aren't words on a page to me. This is the voice of God to me. The inerrant word of God to me. And I think it is to most of you in this room. I haven't figured out how I'm gonna fix my, my problem with a few people. I haven't figured that out yet. I just know I made a commitment to figure out a way that I could serve them. Here's the deal. I, I, I think when you're unwilling to wash someone else's feet, when you're unwilling to serve someone else, you're making yourself greater than Jesus. I mean, think about it. He, he washed Judas's feet and he demands that we do the same. So when you say, hey, look, I'm not doing it. Okay. Jesus said this, and you're saying, no, I ain't doing it. I had to wrestle with that. I personally had to wrestle with that. Serving is one of the ways, one of the great ways we demonstrate the unconditional love of God to others. You see, God loves us unconditionally, and you see that with Jesus serving the betrayer. He's loving, he's not loving them because they're all great guys, wonderful guys, because they're all gonna go on and change the world. He loves them simply because he loves them, and you see that with him serving the betrayer. Makes sense, right? Number two, serving is a way that you as a follower of Christ can remain humble in the sight of God, and these kind of all go hand in hand. 
Verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and they had come from God and returned to God. Think that through. He knew, I've got all authority. I have come from God, and I'm going back there. So, because of that, <laughs> he gets up from the table, he took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. Wow. You see, Jesus knew who he was. He knew his power. He knew his splendor. He knew his position. He knew he was headed to the right hand of the Father. He knew he was the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He knew he was God. And yet, he took the lowliest of all positions. He took the most unpleasant of all the tasks a servant could perform. And that was the foot washer. That was the low guy on totem pole. It literally puts you in a weird, vulnerable, humble place on your knees in front of somebody else's feet. The master became the slave. The highest became the lowest. The sovereign became the subject. This is just crazy. And God says this in Philippians chapter 2. Here's a kidney punch. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Yeah. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. You see, when God became a man in that manger, we celebrate that moment, it's called Christ Christmas. When he became a man, you know what he says about that moment? He became Nothing. That'd be like us becoming a cockroach. To try to save cockroaches. But even that, a cockroach is better than nothing. The second person of the Holy Trinity becomes nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in an appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Here's the deal. Serving others is one of the great ways, maybe even the greatest way. You just keep yourself from thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Serving others is one of the great ways to keep yourself humble before God. And by the way, there's, there's a, a lot of great benefits to living humbly before God. Psalms chapter 147 says, the Lord sustains the humble. He takes care of the humble. He watches over the humble, but he casts the wicked to the ground. Sing out your thanks to the Lord. Sing praises to our God with a harp. He covers the heavens with clouds, provides rain for the earth. He makes the grass grow in mountain pastures. He gives food to the wild animals and feeds the young ravens when they cry. He takes no pleasure in the strength of a horse or in human might. No, the Lord's delight is in those Fear him. Another way to put that is the Lord delights when he sees his people live humbly before him. 
Man, that's how you can make the Lord smile. Brings him great delight when he sees his people who live humbly before him. Number three, serving is a way that you as a follower of Christ stay in tune with the, the ways of God, okay? Look at verse six. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you gonna wash my feet? Let me tell you what I think happens. We, we know where many of these guys were seated around the table of that, that night. Don't know where all of them were seated, but we know where some of them were seated. We know that John was right next to, 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 to Jesus. John was kind of the host of the party, if you will, because of where he was seated. We know right on the other side of Jesus was Judas. He was the, he was the guest of honor at the party because there's this moment where Jesus says, you know, the, the man who dips his morsel with me, he, he, they, they had to be together in a little group of three. We know that. Somewhere along the line, there was Peter. I, I, I think Peter was the last guy. And by the way, Jesus is the one throwing the party. John's the host of the party. Judas is the, the guest of honor at the party. And it would have been the guy throwing the party who would have decided where people are seated, much like in our homes today, right? You have people over at your house. Sometimes you put little name tags up and you tell people where they're seated. Jesus would have been the one to tell people where they were seated. I just picture all these guys showing up at the house that night. John is the host. He's the one who's getting all the food, all the stuff. He's doing all the, all the stuff. That's why he's sitting next to Jesus. I think Peter would probably thought, well, well then I'm on the other side. I, I've got to be the guest of honor. And Jesus says, Judas, you're the guest of honor. You're going to sit next to me. And then I think, he, I think Peter probably thought, well, I'm next to it. No, because as you were seated, you were seated in, in kind of a, an order of honor. And I think Jesus probably put Matthew down and he started putting everybody around this table. And Peter's... <laughs> I, 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 I can't prove it. I think finally gets to number 12 and Peter's sitting there going, and Jesus goes, yeah, you get the lowliest seat. You're the last guy. And he walks in and sits down. And so here you have Jesus. He's washing feet. He's making himself go around. Peter's watching this all happen. I think in Peter's mind, Peter's thinking, Wait a minute. These guys are letting Jesus watch, wash their feet. Here it is. I'm going to get moved up the totem pole. Wait. Finally got to him and he went, watch this. You're not washing my feet, boss. I think Peter thought Jesus was going to stand up and go, well, it took about time. It took 11 of you to figure this out. He's the only guy that got it. I think Peter thinks he's going to get applauded for what he's going to say. He's going to get a raise. He's going to get the corner office now. Everybody else blew it. 
You're not going to wash my feet. No, no, no. All these other guys, they don't know what they're doing. Peter's the last guy, in my opinion. He's at the end of the table. Jesus knows everything, right? He's trying to teach a lesson to this man who struggled so much with so many things. Lord, are you going to wash my feet? <laughs> Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No! Not my feet. You'll never wash my feet. And Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you don't belong to me. Whoa. Whoa. You see, here's the deal. The way the world thinks about life and the way God thinks about life are two totally different things. You see, there are forces at work and systems in place that, that you know, want you to only think the way the world thinks. Now, these forces can't do anything about your salvation. That's a done deal. But they can get you to think worldly. They can get you to think in a way that's out of tune with God's ways. And when you... As a believer, get out of tune with God. Let me just tell you something. You're just not very usable. And what you see here is a great example of what I'm talking about. You see, what Jesus did here was an example of something that was totally contrary to the world's way of thinking, which is why Peter says, no, you're not going to wash my feet. You see, Peter knew who the people were that put towels around their waist and washed feet. They were the lowliest people on the proverbial totem pole, as I said. And according to the world's way of thinking, important people like Jesus didn't do that kind of work. And on top of that, I also think that somewhere in the back of Peter's mind was this thought. Let's see, Jesus is my rabbi. He's my teacher. He's my example. So if Jesus washes his you know, feet, then I, I'm going to have to wash feet. And I don't want to wash feet. Because the world says that's the crummiest job that there is. I don't want to do that. The world says you've got to work hard, work, 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 and get yourself to the point in your life where you have others that wash feet. You don't do that. It's only the losers that are out there doing that kind of stuff. And here we have Jesus turning the world's way of thinking upside down. The serving keeps you in tune with this, with God's way of thinking. Here's the deal. Peter was... Uh, part of the greatest act of humility ever done. He, he saw it with his own eyes. He felt it with his own feet. And because he didn't understand God's ways, because he wasn't in tune with God's ways, he wasn't going to have anything to do with this foot washing thing. Nothing. But when you fast forward the tape, there obviously comes a moment when, when, when Peter got it. It says this in 1 Peter chapter 5, young men in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you, clothe yourself with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud. He opposes the proud. 
If there's one person you don't want against you, that's God. But he gives grace to the humble. He gives power to the humble is what he does. Humble yourselves, therefore, into the mighty hand of God that he may lift you up in due time. Here's the deal. We always need to be very careful when we point to somebody else and say they're not humble. You can't look in somebody else's heart. You don't know somebody else's motive. You don't know. This is about you investigating your life, which is, by the way, it's pretty arrogant to point at somebody else and say they're not humble, in my opinion. I mean, think that through for a moment. God says, hey, listen, humble yourself. Humble yourself. It's always better if you do it. Because if you don't do it, God's going to do it. And I can guarantee you, it's just way better if you do it than if God steps in. Hey, look, I I wrestle with my flesh all the time. It's a 24-hour, you know, endeavor. And I can, I can get goofed up. I, 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 I can become arrogant. I get it. And God says, look, look, humble yourself. Just, just humble yourself. Humble yourself. And, and, and sometimes it's like a daily thing. My, my, my flesh is pretty, pretty powerful. Maybe yours isn't. But mine is. And there's this idea that, hey, look, just, just humble yourself. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. And God, God will give you the power and the strength that you need. Look, Peter finally came around. There's no doubt about it. Serving is one of the great ways you stay in tune with God and his ways. When you make the choice that I'm going to, I'm going to serve, I'm going to serve others. Number four, serving is a way that you as a follower of Christ are to live before God. Look at verse 13 again. He said, you call me teacher and Lord and you're right because that's what I am. And I, and, and since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. See, we as Christ's followers are to pattern our lives after Christ. That, that, that's why we call ourselves followers of Christ. So you're a follower of Christ, just think those three words out. If somebody asked you, are you a follower of Christ? Just look at your life. Are you following Christ? Jesus was their master. He had every right to command their service. He could have gotten up from the table that night and said, hey, listen, guys, you've seen me do a bunch of miracles. You've heard me preach, all that kind of stuff. Some of you are up on the Mount of Transfiguration with me. Here's the deal. I want you guys to wash my feet. He could have done that. 
He could have commanded them to do that. And he would have had every right to do that. But he doesn't. Instead, he served them. He gave them an example of what true Christian ministry is all about. He gave them an example of what it means to be a follower of Christ. And a follower of Christ is a servant at their core. It's a way of life for them. Look at verse 16. He says, I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now, what's, what's Jesus getting at here? What, what's, what's he trying to tell us with that one little statement there? Well, let me ask you a question. Is a servant or a slave greater than their master? The answer is no, they're not. But what happens if the master somehow becomes a slave? What happens if the master becomes a fellow servant? Where does that now put the servant? It puts them on the same level. I want you to know something. I just got goosebumps. Verse 16 is unbelievably weighty. Unbelievably weighty for those of us that know Christ. Warren Worsby said this, he said, quote, by becoming a servant, our Lord did not push us down. He lifted us up. He dignified sacrifice and service. The great... G.K. Chesterton said, a really great man is one who makes others feel great. And Jesus did this with his disciples by teaching them to serve. Someone once said, the world asks, how many people work for you? But the Lord asks, for how many people do you work? Well, isn't that good? Serving is a way we're, we're, we're called just to live before God as his followers. And last but not least, number five, serving is a way that you as a follower of Christ experience the blessings of God. A lot of people come into my office and will ask, you know, Rick, I just want God's blessing on my life. Sometimes I'll, on a Saturday night or a Sunday morning, I can be here, people ask that question all the time. Rick, man, Pastor Rick, I just want God's blessing on my life. Jesus said, now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. One of the first things I ask people when they want to know, man, how can God, I want God's blessing in my life. Well, do you serve somewhere? Because the Bible says, and God's not a liar, that if you're serving, if you do what God tells you to do, there, there's a blessing. He'll bless you. See, God blesses his people not for what they know, but for you know, their responses to what they know. You you can have the whole Bible memorized. Whoop-de-doo. You can know all the great doctrines of the Bible. Okay. I know a lot of people that know all the great doctrines. I know a a lot of people who know a lot about Scripture, but they're just toads. They just know a lot of things. That's what you can say. you You know a lot. No, you got to know things. Don't, don't misunderstand me here. 
You got to know stuff. But just because you know something doesn't somehow equate to God's delight in who you are as a person. The religious leaders knew a lot. Listen to what our brother James said in James chapter one. He said, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You know, you see yourself, you walk away and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for reading it. No. He'll bless you if you do it. If you do it. Look, I've said this before many times. Listening to truth is easy. Sitting in here for an hour and a half or over in the venue, this is easy. Oh, you blow an hour and a half of your life, you walk out of here, you know, uh, you got 160, you know, six and a half more hours to go live this week. Listening to truth is easy. A lot of people listen to the sermons of Jesus. That's easy to do. The hard part and where the blessings come is when you hear it and you go, whew, wow, uh-oh, I got some, I got, I got some things I got to work on. I need to make an adjustment in my life. And you make the adjustment. You repent of the sin. You start doing whatever it is the thing you read tells you to read. I think one of the things in our culture today, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I know people who, you'll sit in here today, and you'll hear a message, and before today's over with, man, you'll listen to, you know, your next favorite preacher, and then maybe before today's over with, you'll even listen to two great preachers. And then on Monday, you'll listen to another podcast of another great message on Sunday. And before you know it, the week's over, and you've listened to lots of messages. And that sounds impressive. And in some plane it is. I listen to a lot of messages. Might be worth your time to go, you know what? Why don't I just like listen to one and then go, God, help me maybe to live that one out this week. Instead of all of a sudden, I got all this overload of all the stuff, and then you walk out, and really, your life hadn't changed any. You're still doing whatever it is you're, you're, you're doing. It was a brutal week for me studying this. Brutal. Because there were a whole lot of things in here, as I said earlier, that, man, I had to wrestle around with about my life and some people in my life. People in my life that went, go back a few decades. People that I still see running around the mall or the Rayleigh's or wherever I'm at. And I see them and immediately, you know, I just get all fired up and goofed up and 
And I got all the reasons why, you know, I can tell you why I'm justified in being mad at him. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm reading this about Jesus and Judas and the foot washing thing, and I'm going, oh man, Lord, really? This had to come up? And I could have just preached it and moved on, but I, I couldn't. And I had stuff going on in here. I had some conviction going on in here. I, I wrote down some names. Some of these are Christian people. They're my brothers in the Lord. Look, there, there really is a blessing when you live out the word. There's a blessing. When you, when, when you serve the Lord, man, there's a blessing when you do it. So here's my ending thought for everybody, okay? It's never too late to start serving. Never. By the way, th th this wasn't my issue here. I, got, I have mine. Look at verse one again. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knows in 24 hours he's dead on a cross. He knows it. Jesus knew that his hour had come. He knew. This is it. This is the last bit of food he's going to eat. This is the last little moment, you know, he's going to have with his, his guys. His hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. And what's he doing? He's giving them a great lesson on serving. It's like his last little moment here with the guys. Isn't that crazy? Look, it's never too late to start serving. It's never too late. I, uh, right behind my house is Fine Avenue, and, and then, then there's a school, literally, right across the street. And so I always hear the kids out there playing, and it's always fun to hear them giggle and, so, and all that kind of stuff. So one day they were having like uh, like school games going on. And I could hear the kids out there giggling and laughing and whatever, you know, doing whatever. And there was, uh, so I look over my fence. I got a little wall and I, I'm looking over and there are these two guys and they got this jump rope. And there's somebody in there jumping and they're all laughing and giggling and whatever. And the kid ran out. And then the next kid, he's ready. And, and, and I was watching him. <laughs> you know, those of you that have jumped rope, he's, he's trying to time it. He's trying to figure, oh no, and I'm watching him. He's probably, I don't know, second grade, okay? And finally, one of the guys on the rope says, just jump in, okay? <laughs> You know, and I'm laughing, and, you know, and finally, you know, he gets in and he's doing his thing, you know. Oh, man. Here's the deal. For some of you, just jump in. You don't serve anywhere. Quit making excuses. Well, as soon as I get my, my business up and running, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get it. I'll get involved. 
Soon as soon as I, you know, finish, you know, my education, I'll, I'll jump in. You can have all the reasons in the world why you're not serving. And there's a there, there's a there's a bunch of them. <coughs> Look, some of you, uh, I, the big ones, fear. Hey, Pastor Rick, I'd love to serve. I'm just afraid. What if I blow it? I remember we were on Stanford Avenue. I hadn't known the Lord very long. And they asked me to serve communion. And back then we had different trays. There was actually a guy who made these wooden trays. And so I said, okay, I'm supposed to serve. So I had the tray, okay, and I'm walking with the tray. <laughs> and it's like on eight people. Uh, so to have communion, I said, hey, just suck your shirt. Because <laughs> it's, I, I, don't, I don't know what, I don't even know where these things came from. I, I just, they handed me one. And, uh, you know, and those of you that are servers, you know, in restaurants and you spilled something, I was just like, oh boy, that I blew it. And everybody, in, you know, it was a small church back then. And whew, it was super embarrassing. Um, I lived, and so did the people that had grape juice on their shirts, okay? Everybody lived, everybody was okay. The world didn't come to an end. The church didn't implode. I get it, you're afraid. I get it. I can't fix normal. It's just normal to be afraid. But get over it. Here we got the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Are you kidding me? He's kneeling in front of people's feet and cleaning them. And he says, look, I'm your Lord, right? Yeah. I'm your teacher, right? You, you like my word? Yeah. Well, then here's the deal. You do what I do. Remember, you're my follower. You're gonna blow it, I don't know, I don't know, you'll drop the crackers in, in, in the children's ministries. I, I don't know, you'll, I, I don't know what it'll be. So what? It's okay, we're family here. This isn't, we're not putting on a production of cats. This isn't Broadway. We're family. Find a place. Jump in. Now, we make everything look pretty smooth around here. There's, all, there's so many places that we need people who would say, you know what, I'll wash some feet there. You count me and I'll wash some feet there. Hey, you need to, I'll wash some feet there. A lot of places. And so this is all you got to do as I wrap this up. Over in the venue, those of you in here. You got your little communication card? Here's the deal. All right. I'll serve. I've been putting it off. I'm jumping in. Just put a star up in the corner. And uh, I don't know how many we're going to have. I know we had a ton of them last night. We're going to try to get a hold of you as soon as we can to say, hey, listen, oh, great, great. Here's the deal. Why don't you show up this next weekend and here's where we want you. Here's where we need you. Why don't you do this? Why don't you, we'll, just, we'll just start. You jump in. You just jump in. So you just got to put a star on there. And then we got all these little connect boxes around the, 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 the church. Just drop them in there. 
And somebody will call you. That's jumping in. It's a pretty, pretty simple application point here for, for all of us, okay? Why don't you stand up over in the venue? Everybody standing up in here. And so, Lord, thank you for uh, our time today. God, I've really, really enjoyed it. I enjoyed seeing all the kids up here. And thank you for them. They're going to go wash a lot of feet. They're willing to, to, to use their life in a great way when so many other teens will just sit home. Thank you for them. Bless them. Watch over them. Protect them. Give moms and dads peace as their kids go off to some strange land that they probably can't even find on a map. Thank you, God, for these people that are here today. I love them, I love them, I love them so much. And your word, wow, is just so powerful. Somehow, some way, Lord, may it uh, motivate us to, 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 to jump in. And I pray this in your name and all of God's people said, amen. Hey, Lord bless you, okay, live for Jesus.